So here is Joseph, and he's 17. And he's surrounded by these peers who can't be trusted. They're prone to violence, and they are sexually out of control. And some of you in high school know exactly what that's like. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, some of us who are not still of school age know exactly what that's like. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're looking at the story of Joseph. I've called this snapshots of a godly life because Joseph really gives to us a wonderful picture of what it is to live for the Lord when you're surrounded by all kinds of antagonism towards everything you believe and everything you stand for. And in Joseph's case, as you say, it came from his own brother. Exactly. They were a mess. Yeah, they were a complete moral mess. And we're going to see that in the message today. And they were very antagonistic towards him. And as we look at the story of Joseph, we get these snapshots truths that we can begin to apply in our own life. Yeah, and then there's another thing that comes out from this story that I just love, that there are all kinds of snapshots of our Lord Jesus Christ as well, because I think perhaps more than any other character in the Old Testament, Joseph points us to Jesus. They all point us in some way, but he points us to Jesus in so many ways. I found when we went through this series that so many people were saying to me, I never knew there was so much of Jesus in the story of Joseph, and there really is. So we're going to see ourselves, We're going to see the pressure that's on us. We're going to see our saviour. And that's how faith gets built. We're in Genesis chapter 37 today. So I hope you follow in your Bible with us as we begin the message called Loved and Favoured. Here's Pastor Colin. Well, we begin our new series today in uh, Genesis in chapter 37 on the life of Joseph. To many of us, this will be a very familiar story, though to some of us, I recognize it may indeed be new. The story in outline, very simply, Joseph was one of 12 brothers born through different mothers to Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, to whom God had given very great and very precious promises. And God's hand was on Joseph in a very special way, and for this reason he was hated, as we'll see today, by his brothers. The brothers sold Joseph as a slave. He was taken to Egypt. He suffered greatly. But God loved Joseph, and God exalted him, promoted him to the highest office in the land, giving him charge over the entire food supply for the nation. In time, famine came to Canaan, where Joseph's brothers were, and so they came to Egypt in order to get food, in order to survive, not realizing that the man in charge of the whole food supply was indeed their own brother. And that gets us to the central point of the whole story that we must not miss that the one they despise becomes the one on whom all their hopes depend. And we will keep coming back to that central theme of this story. The one who is despised becomes the one on whom all of our hopes depend. That's the story of Joseph. The title for our series is Snapshots of a Godly Life. And I've chosen that title because Joseph is really presented to us as a model or an example of godliness. It's very striking that nothing bad is ever said about Joseph. And I think one reason for this is that he is clearly presented to us as a foreshadowing, or if you like, a pointer, or sometimes we use this word, a type 
of Jesus Christ. That just means someone who in very obvious ways points to Jesus Christ. And perhaps there's no character in the Old Testament who more obviously points to Jesus Christ than Joseph. A.W. Pink, some of you will know that name, great Bible scholar, uh, has traced 101 parallels between the story of Joseph and the story of Jesus. Well, we're not going to go through them one by one. You'll be very glad to know, uh, though I hope we will pick up a, a good number of them. But the parallels are quite remarkable. He is indeed presented to us as a pointer to Jesus. That's why the story is there in the Bible. And so Joseph no doubt had his faults and his failings like any of us. But as one writer puts it, the biblical record passes over them uh, in order to floodlight how God would bring redemption into the world through his loved and favored son, Jesus Christ. So I want us to uh, look at this story uh, in two ways, to see it really through two lenses. The first is that I want us to see the glory of the one who calls us to a godly life. In other words, I want us to see Jesus in the story of Joseph. The whole Bible is about him, and uh, we do not get the point of the story unless we see it as a pointer uh, to him, our need of him, and the glory of the one uh, who meets our need. But this is a snapshot not only of the one who calls us to a godly life, but also of the life to which we are called. Here we are at the beginning of a new year. We want to be followers of Jesus Christ. What will our experience be if we really follow him? What can we expect in the footsteps of Jesus? What will it take if we as a church are to be really useful to God in this world, as Joseph was really useful to God in this world? And uh, one writer points out that from this story, uh, we can learn uh, how to overcome envy, how to face adversity, how to resist sexual advances, how to plan for the future, how to forgive those who wrong us, how to dispel doubts and forgiveness, how to have faith in God's promises, and how to recognize the sovereignty of God even in the wrongs that are done to us by others. That's not a bad list. All from this one story. And so it is rich, it is laden with what it will mean for us to live a godly life today. Now, the first snapshot of the godly life I've simply called loved and favored. And we begin in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2. And I want you to notice right at the beginning that Joseph is presented to us here 17 years old. 17. Now, this is therefore a great story for all the students in the congregation today, for every teenager, for everyone who is at an early stage of life. He's 17, and he is in a pretty tough environment, as many of you who are teenagers experience being pushed into, in high school and even in middle school, a very tough environment. The reason for the environment was that uh, Joseph's brothers were not good people. And their character we know from three stories in Genesis. Let me just outline them to you briefly. The first is a story of all the older brothers, though it highlights Simeon and Levi in Genesis chapter 34. Joseph's brothers had made a deal with a clan known as the Shechemites, that is the extended family of a man by the name of Shechem. Shechem had fallen in love with and had slept with their sister Dinah. The brothers were outraged at this, 
But then they made a deal with Shechem in which they said that they would be at peace with him, that they would blend the families so that the clans would intermarry, but that this would happen if all of the men, all of the Shechemite men were circumcised. Well, the Shechemite men agreed to this. And uh, while they were still recovering and in no position to fight, the sons of Jacob launched an assault on the men of the city and destroyed all of them completely. And in Genesis chapter 34 and verse 30, you get a sense of the atrocity that this was and the outrage of it because Jacob says to Simeon and Levi, who clearly were therefore at the forefront of this event, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land. Here's his father, and he says to his son, what you've done is such an atrocity that you've made my name stink forever. Nobody will ever trust the word of this family. Nobody will ever respect my name again because of what you have done. That was what Jacob felt about it, and for good reason too. Second story that shows the character of these older brothers is the story of Reuben, just one verse in Genesis 35 and verse 22. We read, while Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now, Reuben, of course, was the firstborn son. But he brought disgrace on the family on top of the earlier disgrace because of his sexual indulgence. James Boyce says, this was an offense for which Reuben lost not only his father's favor, but also his birthrights as the firstborn son. And since Reuben had forfeited these rights, Jacob extended his sovereign choice and appointed Joseph as his heir. And this is the meaning, says Boyce, of what we have long called Joseph's coat of many colors. That's the piece that everybody knows, I think, about this story, who has ever heard anything about it at all. Jacob drapes the coat on Joseph. And when he does that, he's saying, now, Joseph, you are the one. You are my heir. Reuben the oldest has forfeited this with his sexual indulgence. You will be the one. And of course, when the brothers saw it, uh, they hated him for it. Now, the third story that um, gives the character uh, of these brothers is in Genesis 38, and this time it's the story of Judah. So we're, we're getting on here, Simeon and uh, Levi and Reuben, and now, now Judah. Uh, Genesis 38, boy, it is painful even to read uh, the awful account of Judah and Tamar. And without going into the details of that story, it is suffice for me to say today that it is another story showing that another son of Jacob had given himself over to sexual promiscuity. Judah is a man without sexual boundaries. And behind him, therefore, he leaves a trail of broken hearts and wounded lives as he sins his way further and further and further away from Almighty God. So here is Joseph, and he's 17. And he's surrounded by these peers, 
who can't be trusted, their word doesn't mean a thing, they're prone to violence, and they are sexually out of control. And some of you in high school know exactly what that's like. You're at the same stage of life as Joseph, and you're experiencing all the same pressures because you're surrounded by patterns of behavior that exactly reflect the kind of reality that uh, we see here in the Bible. Thank God there was one man in this story who was different, and his name was Joseph. Now, this background, I think, helps us to understand what we read in verse 3, where we come to the statement, now Israel, that's another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Joseph was greatly loved and favored by his father. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Loved and Favored from our new series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. We've been looking at three stories of Joseph's brothers, and when we come back in a moment, we'll see how Joseph was loved and favored by his father. If you joined us late, or if you can't stay till the end of the broadcast, you can always catch up on our website, openthebible.org.uk. Now, as we return to the message, here's Pastor Colin. Joseph was greatly loved and favored by his father. Now, the obvious comment here, and it's made many, many times, is that showing favoritism to one child over another causes all kinds of trouble in families. Obviously, that is true. Some of you may have suffered under this. Your brother or your sister had a certain hold on the heart of your father or of your mother, and nothing you ever said or ever did could ever change that. And of course, those who know the Bible will recall that uh, there was a history of favoritism in this family line. Uh, Jacob's parents, Isaac and Rebekah, Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah favored Jacob. You remember that story? And so Jacob had grown up with this, and so it's very easy just to say that, uh, well, obviously he was reproducing uh, what he had learned in his childhood. But I think that there is something much more and uh, very significantly different here. Think about the situation. Jacob had 12 sons. Only two of them were born through Rachel, who had been his first love, One of them was Joseph, the 11th in line, and the other one was Benjamin, the youngest of them all. That is why in verse 3 they are referred to as the sons of his old age. He waited a long time for this gift that came later in his life. And what had happened in the meantime? Well, we know from what we've just seen that the older sons, one by one, had grown up and then taken a path that had broken Jacob's heart. And there are parents in this congregation today who know exactly what that is like, and you live with the pain of it. Now put yourself in Jacob's shoes. You have a large family, and one after another, you see your own children grow and then take a destructive path. They're not walking in the ways of the Lord. 
you find over time that they lie to you, they deceive you, they're not telling you the whole truth. Then you discover in one way or another that one and then another is sexually promiscuous. You are cut to the heart by the life that they are chosen. And however much you love them, there is this sadness, this disappointment. And it weighs upon you as a mother or as a father. What is the future for this family? Where is God at work in all of this? But then, now put yourself in Jacob's shoes. You have another son, younger than the rest. And he is different. There is a godliness about him. And you begin to think to yourself, well, maybe there is still hope. Maybe Joseph will have influence on his brothers. Maybe God isn't finished with this family yet. Joseph was loved and favored by his father. But it's very clear more than that, that Joseph was loved and favored by God. God spoke to Joseph in a very special way through dreams. Now, it's appropriate to say at this point that in the Bible, there is a progress in the way in which God communicates with his people. We find this stated most clearly in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Uh, So God used in ancient times, that includes the time of Joseph, multiple ways of communicating, revealing himself to people. Uh, He did that in the earliest days. And one example of that clearly is in this story, he reveals himself to Joseph through dreams. But then it says in the very next verse that in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. So the contrast is between how God revealed himself in ancient times and the way in which God has revealed himself to us today. What is being said here is that all of God's promises to us and all that God requires of us is made known to us quite clearly in Jesus Christ, who we know through the scriptures. So, and I hope this will come as a relief to at least some folks today, what that means is that Christians should not fret about interpreting their dreams. And I say this uh, with some self-interest because I hope it will save me some hours of pastoral work. I don't want you to send me an email and say, I had a dream last night, pastor, can you tell me what it means? Because what I will say to you is, look, If you want to know what God is saying to you, you've got a very easy way that you can do it. Open your Bible and read your Bible. And whatever other experience you may have in life, you must always test by the Word of God, which is how He speaks. But in those days, there was no Bible. So how does God reveal Himself? Well, we read about Him making actual appearances. We call them theophanies. The last of them, of course, was to the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, as one untimely born, he says. And in this situation and in this story, God reveals himself quite clearly to Joseph through uh, dreams. Now, the point of Joseph's dreams is very simple, that God would lift Joseph up above his brothers, and of course that is exactly what happened, so that Joseph, who they despise, becomes the one on whom their hopes depend. 
And the whole point of this story and the whole reason that it happened and the whole reason that it's in the Bible is, of course, to direct our attention to the greater son who was loved and favored by God, his father, the one who would be despised and rejected by his own brethren, the one who would be betrayed and sold for silver, the one who would go down to the lowest place but then would be exalted to the highest place, Jesus Christ, the despised and the rejected one, on whom the hopes of all who will bow before him depend. Now these dreams, therefore, and this is very important, these dreams came to Joseph with all the force of the word of God. This is God revealing himself, revealing the future to Joseph and with regards to this family. Now this is important for this reason. It has often been suggested that Joseph should have kept his mouth shut and kept his dreams to himself. You heard that said? Uh, Heard that said, and it's written many, many, many times. And what follows from that is then that Joseph gets pointed to as being somehow arrogant, self-opinionated, and overbearing. But think about this, friends. Joseph's dream was the word of God. And more than that, it is not only the word of God as it relates to him, it is the word of God that clearly relates to the whole family. If he is given the very word of God and that it relates to the lives and the future of other people around him, how can he possibly keep that word which he has been given to himself? But here's the point, that telling the word of God was very costly for Joseph and will be costly for us. And yet the whole story is being given to us to show that the one they despise becomes the one on whom their very hopes depend. And their lives and their future and everything that concerns them is actually going to be in the hands of the loved and favored son. The one despised becomes the one on whom their hopes depend. Who does that remind you of? You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Loved and Favoured, part of the series Snapshots of a Godly Life, where we're taking a look at the life of Joseph. He's presented to us as a model of the godly life. Nothing bad is ever said about him. No doubt Joseph had his faults and he had his failings like the rest of us, but the Bible seems to pass right over them. The point of his story is to spotlight how God would bring redemption to the world through his son, Jesus. If you want to hear the message again, you can download it as an MP3, or you can stream it from the website openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by its listeners. If you are able to support us this month in the amount of £5 or more, we would like to thank you by sending you a book, It was written many years ago, but it will be new to many of you. It's called simply Holiness. And Colin, who is this book for? Well, it's in the title. It's for everyone who wants to pursue a holy life. And you know what? That has to be every believer, because the Bible says, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. But here's the question. What's the relationship between God accepting us, the Bible calls that justification, and God changing us 
The Bible calls that sanctification. Does God only accept us when he changes us? And uh, if God has accepted us before he changes us, is it okay just to rest happy that he's accepted us? Well, Ryle really gets into these issues. What is the relationship between justification and sanctification, between God accepting you so that you have peace with him through Jesus Christ and God changing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I think most of the main questions that I get asked as a pastor, questions that trouble ordinary believers, arise from a confusion between these two things, justification and sanctification. It's about, well, you know, I'm not yet the Christian that I want to be. I've not yet changed as much as I would like to. Has God really accepted me? You see, that that's right on the hinge between these two things. And Ryle gets at that in such a clear and biblical way. That's why this is such a helpful book. It will help every Christian to make sense of their own experience. We want to send you a copy of this book. It's my J.C. Ryle. You can find details of this offer, along with how you can support Open the Bible by giving. Just go to our website, openthebible.org.uk. And starting this week, you can hear something new on Open the Bible. It's Sue McLeish reading Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional. It's a great way to start every day. For Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and I hope you can join us next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. Sometimes the Word of God will isolate you from your friends. Find out why that is next time on Open the Bible.